Brad, Levi, and we have a guest. Oh, it's been a while. It's he, been a blitz. has the woods. <laughs> Your beard's no longer, oh, it's a little longer. A little bit. I got to trim scary. it up for uh, Caleb's wedding, though, no. probably. So if you haven't heard, it's Mike Hawkins. Yeah. But he's not really here. No, I'm not. slowly coming. It's like a it's reverse. Still two weeks. It's a reverse of um, uh, Back to the Future. You know, when the picture starts fading, I'm just coming back. <laughs> <into you. laughs> so what you're saying is someone's messing with a time-space continuum yes. behind you. Yes, you that's exactly what there I was saying. <laughs> it's great to be back. I've, I've missed you guys. I have debated multiple times like sending a church email um, just to kind of give an update on where I've been with my book and the things that I've been learning and how it's been going and then um, I thought I I didn't get any further than the idea because I knew if I sent it to Anissa um, Mm -hmm. it probably wouldn't go any further than that so Mm -hmm. I am back Um, I'm, I'm back on the podcast anyway so not technically not technically. I'm not mm-hmm. really here. We don't want to get in trouble. You can't see me. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just, just, just one thing. <laughs> so, what's the topic for tonight's Who started discussion? this? Who's the... Mike did on the text. Yeah, I, I think well, I... Not te- well, not technically. There it is. If he was part of it... He if would, he was yeah. part of it, I think Mike would have sent out a very specific task yes. with asking uh, some questions. So, of course, I don't have my glasses, but um, I was listening to Mike Rowe's podcast today, and he was being interviewed by Reason Magazine, um, and he was talking about, you know, Mike Rowe, if you, if you don't know, is, he does this Mike Rowe Works, um, which came out of his show Dirty Jobs, and so he's, he's raising money, they're, they're working to try and elevate the idea of... Um, I always get my blue collars and my white collars mixed up. Levi, are you blue? Blue. So blue collar and elevating it to this to you know to the appreciation of white collar. So they're they're having some of that conversation, but they were spitting some facts, and one of them was that there's 7.2 million able-bodied men in America right now who are uh, he called them affirmed unemployed, meaning. They are have just accepted the idea of being unemployed, and not because they couldn't find jobs, but because they don't, they just don't want to work anymore. They're done. They're <laughs> so um, I was just astounded by that. Seven point two million, and there's over eleven million available jobs. Um, and so he was talking about. Um, <clears throat> there, it went in kind of two directions. One was the idea that um, these jobs are. With, there's there's a phenomena on with Gen Z and uh, millennials. It's the only two generations they've seen it that um, they have this sense that work is supposed to be fun. It's not supposed to be arduous. It's you should have somebody holding your hand all the way through to show you exactly what to do at your job, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. there should be meaning and purpose behind it. Mm-hmm. And that resonated with me because I had a conversation with Emily this week. Um, she's like, ah, I like my job, but I just want to do something that has more meaning. Mm. <laughs> like, well, you're stewarding God's earth mm-hmm. and you're helping people. She is more of a people person. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one part of it. But then the other idea was this idea of work ethic. And, and that I wrestle with because, you know, I see that in kids today. And my dad was, his mantra to me growing up was, you do what you have to do to do what you have to do, which meant... 
If I had to get three jobs to provide for my family, then I had to get three jobs. Um, and now it's there's a there's a sense that well if I have to get a job I'll just go move back home with my parents and my wife and my six kids. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I just threw that out to the text and and you know wanted to get some thoughts on you guys and what is what is the scriptural what is what is the scriptural worldview? I mean, there's one that comes to mind. I had to find the where it was. It's First Thessalonians four eleven through twelve, and make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands. You should work, mm-hmm. um, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders, and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, that right there shows that. Um, Thessalonians, Paul, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. See, I know a little bit about Paul. <laughs> I mean, he he was flat out saying, "This is what you need to do as men, as well." We'll say it as men, you're called to get out and work mm. but i think it's you're right 100 percent of that you know i my dad told me the same thing mike's dad told him it's not about what you want to do it's about what you need to do sometimes and you've got to pay the bills you've got to be able to live an independent life without someone covering you all the time and i think what's happened is we've the american dream of this idea that i'm going to work myself to the point so that my kids have a better mm-hmm. life than what i've had i think we've reached a point of an apex in that where we're going the wrong way mm. so we've got kids want today want for nothing they get all the new video game systems new shoes most kids not every kids we know that there's struggles and poverty and things mm-hmm. like that that's still very real but the the people that are working, their kids are reaping the benefits of what their mom and dad are doing, and therefore I don't need to because they never had to work for it. My mom, I grew up when I wanted a pair of Nikes for shoes. My mom told me I had thirty dollars that that's what her donation yep. towards my school shoes were, and if I wanted anything more than that, it's going to come out of my pocket. Yep. So if I wanted a new Adidas coat, if I wanted new Nike shoes, I was working my tail off all summer to get money to buy those things. Nowadays, it's just there. Um, so I think we've reached that that pull where it is. It's just different now because kids don't understand mm-hmm. anything. And the other part of Mike's text was that we have to look in the mirror yeah. and figure out if that's something that we are contributing to. And as you know, you've got kids that are growing up now and getting through school and mine's going off to college, there's some concerns that I have of, are you going to work? Yeah. Like... Yeah, you know what added to the statistic, too, is um, statistically, on average, men will spend 2,000 hours of screen time per year, mm-hmm. swiping right, swiping left, playing mm-hmm. video games. Mm-hmm. And that's, that is my... So we, we bought Charlie one for Christmas, an Xbox. Well, then Jake moved out, and one of the things they always did was play together. So then we bought Jake an Xbox. And I don't want to tell tales out of school or, or you know, with, on them. But, um, you know, so that, that was good that they could play together. But, you know, now that Jake, you know, will be on till midnight, 1 o'clock, playing with his friends. Charlie's trying to go to bed at 930 because he's got to leave the house at 530. Like, <laughs> yeah. and oh, you and can they're really, sharing a room still. Yeah, so. now they're sharing a room. But I oh. can see where Mike Rose said, well, we've got to ask if there's snowflakes 
what cloud did they come from? And and mm-hmm. I'm like, ooh, that's I kind of created that snowflake with the video game stuff. Mm-hmm. Here's a, you know what, Ryan? I'm hearing that white noise. Yeah, I think it's either the ultraviolet lights or it could be the the radio signal from the that thing. But I bet it's the lights. Mm. Just a thought. We could have Levi shut Turn them off. Lights off. <laughs> I don't hear it. That's a little bit of a pre-podcast episode discussion. How about neither? No. No. Oh well. I unplugged it. That'd be weird. I don't know. Continuing our conversation, we'll get it figured out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So Uh, screen time. And I find myself with the whole screen time. Like this is a conversation we've had in our house. Like, you know, did our kids get dumb when we actually like? put in xboxes and you know we wanted to create a room where their friends could come over and actually hang out because we would prefer them to hang out at our house but you got to give them something to hang out and do and did we do more damage by putting that in up there and giving them an opportunity um and this is even came up as a point of time this week josh is going away to college he wants to buy a switch so that he has he has something to play in his dorm and i look back on my dorm memories and well, this goes back to a previous podcast. Guys need to do something in order to, like, relate and bond. And it's like mm-hmm. no guys are going to just walk up each other and be friends. But you put mm-hmm. a video game in Madden in front of them, and mm-hmm. they'll sit, they'll talk, they'll become friends. And mm-hmm. so that's how you build that network of, of people. So on one hand, I see the point of why he wants it. On the other hand, I can see the dilemma against it of going, <laughs> but you're there to go to school, you're there to work, you're not there to play and have fun. And we have all of these video games now and it's it's they can go with you they can travel with you you can sit your instant gratification i find myself on my own phone i'm bored i'm waiting for a doctor's office i'm playing something on my phone just to have that level of distraction and i think we've created a world of virtual distraction where it doesn't require us to do anything brad and i don't when brad and i are sitting around at the doctor's office we open our bible apps and yeah, the paper Meets. version. Yeah. We'll bring the real Christian. You know, bring your giant Bible. Greek Bible and put it out for Jesus. Said, I'm wearing a shirt that says Jesus saves. Like, I don't know what else you want. <laughs> You're a liar. It's not on me now. I don't wear a shirt. They don't know it's Jesus an audio saves. podcast. I don't have that shirt. Jesus will know, or they'll know we are Christians by our t-shirts. Yeah. yeah. And like, I mean, at that point, I've seen some guys wear some Christian t-shirts where I'm really questioning their level of faith. So, yeah. When you shared that statistic, I was uh, wondering if it had something to do with social media and the rise of social media, because a lot of the guys I work with, they're about my age. Um, their ambition isn't to work their whole lives; it's to get the money so that they can create their own YouTube channel or mm-hmm. whatever else they're streaming video <clears throat> games and stuff like that. So I wondered if it had something yeah. to do they, with it. They want to be viral. They want right. that. Yeah. And, but I think that the social media part of that has created a, um, I can't, I've all of a sudden I lost the word where you're a very isocentric view of the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, you want it to be everybody to glorify yourself right. mm-hmm. and you want that popularity. You want to be famous and this is YouTube, Yep. Social media, Instagram, mm-hmm. you know, TikTok—they've all created an opportunity for everybody to be that yeah. person. Mm-hmm. Um, was, There's a perception too that you'll get rich quick and and famous quick by doing that. All you know, oh, it just takes one viral, 
uh, and having a foot in that world a little bit, it takes a lot of work. It takes mm-hmm. a lot of energy, mm-hmm. and it's not a get-rich scheme. Mm-hmm. Um, even to monetize. So I, I have this pastor friend of mine who runs an account, an Instagram account that's closing in on seventy thousand um, followers, mm, wow. and um, he gets some residuals. <clears throat> and so he thought, "Oh, this is going to be great. I'll be able to support my ministry." And I think what he said was, "It's less than a hundred dollars a month." <laughs> you know, yeah. so and that's with uh, you and know that's with seventy thousand yeah. people. Yeah. I mean, and, mm-hmm. YouTube is the same way. Like it, 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 there's not a get rich scheme, and and it's funny because in this podcast they were talking about, um, you know, there's mountains that we have to come over. We got to work. You know, that's the work. Get over the mountain, come over it, and get over the next one. We're all in this river trying to get to the ocean. Well, the the mentality nowadays is, well, I'm gonna just skip the mountain and I'm gonna go around it and um, and not have to work to get over a mountain. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you're right. I think there is something with that social media and that idea of going viral. Like, I can, I'll be able to just sit back and be rich and collect. Like when I was teaching, we saw this a lot in school. And I was thinking back to when I was in school. And at the time, all my friends, oh, I want to be a football player. I want to do this, that, and the other. And they're all, like, jobs that people idolized. Like, this is what I want to do. Now you go into school, and if you ask five kids... At least four, if not all five of them, it's like, oh, I want to be a YouTuber. Yeah. Or I want to be a TikTok mm-hmm. influencer. Mm-hmm. I want to be this and that and the other. And it's nothing compared to right. what it used to be. Yeah. yeah. And, they, and they were saying, too, that this is not a phenomenon that, was, that is new since COVID. Like, there was, there was a start to this even before COVID. Mm-hmm. COVID just ex- expedited it. Like, oh, 100%. I mean, they're paying people to stay home. Yeah. Well, I think there's a... I, I, on, I think there's also a flip side. I think it's not necessarily about people staying home, but they want the glamorous job. Yeah. You know, one of the things that from the, the nursing career, one of the mm-hmm. things that we're dealing with is that people are, are spending a lot of time, you know, they're going through and they're getting their four-year nursing degree, but then they're jumping into their master's program or their nurse practitioner's program, nurse mm-hmm. anesthetist. Everybody wants to be the nurse leader, but nobody wants to be the bedside nurse anymore. Mm-hmm. So I remember one time at the agency <clears throat> that I worked at that I shall not name, but I was doing an interview and this was a 24-year-old nurse who never had any clinical experience went right from four years into her master's and got her master's degree in nurse leadership and she thought she was qualified to have a nurse manager's position and so I had asked her and I said you know how are you I've got nurses in the field that have 20 years of nursing experience behind them you have none like how are you going to hold them accountable they just have to do what I say no it doesn't work that way (laughs) but she thought she was qualified enough because that's what she was going to, that she could get into that higher paying job and not have to do the, the climbing the ladder. And I think that that mountain idea of we're going to move around the mountain, people don't even want to climb the ladder. Mm-hmm. They just want to be gifted a position and a salary because they went to school for far, four or five years and they have $100,000 in student loans that's, yeah. that they want a higher paying position instead of doing the work to get there. Yep. My cousin who works for a a banking company, she had an interview at one point with a person who was right out of college for an administrative assistant. And she wanted more of it. She wanted as much salary as my cousin makes. It's like, you're an administrator. This is an entry level position. You're not, you're you're not making a hundred thousand dollars here. And and Jackie sees that with, with Kelly's all the time where she's, she's recruiting for positions, even within her company that are lower, you know, that are starting positions and they're making, you know, 
fifty percent more than she is, who's been there for twenty plus years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's oh. so angry. <laughs> So my wife had said something about with the millennials that she pointed out that for the millennials and Gen Zers, it's about the experience. Yeah. And so like the, these young startup companies out there, like they have game rooms and pool tables and breakfast burrito Tuesdays mm-hmm. and all of those bring your parents to work days. <laughs> like they're, they're, they're big into the IT platform stuff, but it's, they create an experience instead of showing up to work. I remember we, we, the agency we were at was, we were nominated for an award in Rochester, so we're going through and watching all of these other companies win these awards, and the, the company that won the award of the year was an old guy in a car dealership. He goes, I don't know how you guys get work done. Like, all of these videos that we watched of all these companies that they've, they, they have all of these things going on in the office, how are you ever getting work done? But productivity is a bad word in that generation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder... I feel like I'm talking a lot, but I've been gone You've for been a while. For a yeah. uh, like, I wonder um, if that's more and more becoming a seen as a failed experiment. So at Twitter or X, whatever it is now, um, you know, he said, Elon Musk has said, nope, we're, everybody's coming back to work. And we're seeing that more in the work space now. Like Jackie has said, even her company is going more, we're, we're not going to do this remote thing anymore. We're going back to brick and mortar because mm. people just aren't doing the work. And mm-hmm. Google has found that their productive productivity had really slacked because they were, you know, they were all working from couches and stuff. Mm. And, you know, so there is, I think you're right. There's been that move towards, ex, you know, it's all about the experience. But um, I, I wonder if that experiment has, if it's, if we're seeing more failure to that, then I think it depends on the people that are doing those jobs. I think, yeah. you know, I, I work remote. I love my remote job, but I can tell you that I work, you know, and it's sometimes it seems like I'm putting in more hours doing that than I did if I was at a brick and mortar yep. to try to get it done. But I think again, is that I think it, I grew up with my dad or my grandfather's foot in my backside if I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing mm-hmm. and moving at the speed that they felt I should be doing. I, I loved my grandfather dearly, but we'd ride around the property and if we were if he wanted me to pick up a limb, a stick or a piece of garbage or whatever, I never got a hey there's a stick over there, a limb, pick right. it up. I learned that where his eyes moved, my eyes were moving too. And if he stopped the vehicle, I was getting off. I was running and I was picking it up and putting it in the wagon. I was jumping back on to the next piece. Is your grandfather still alive? He is not love for my son and daughters to spend some time with him mm-hmm. he, I mean he was he was but he was a worker right up until he he passed away he I mean he did his he was up on his roof the year before he got sick at oh. 80 almost 80 some odd years and he was laying shingles oh. like so he was doing it and then you know I told him I always used to get on his case like grandpa you've earned the right to you know come in put your feet up a little bit and, and take a day off and rest mm-hmm. and he told me flat out the day I put my feet up and rest is the day I'm gonna get I'm gonna die and that's yeah. You know, it happened. a lot of the jobs that are available are jobs that you couldn't work remotely anyway. Mm-hmm. Like right. you can't put in a heater, heater and air conditioner. You can't mm-hmm. fix tractors or tires or you probably can't even guard prisoners. Remotely. <laughs> <laughs> I think you could, on, talk think you could on that one. They've all got a yeah. camera. You just, that's true. The counseling part is often so, remote. So my next question was, we've talked about the problem. But what is the solution? And I think, Chris, you started hitting on it where you said your grandfather worked till the day he died. And, like, looking at my upbringing, 
I had a grandfather who even at, he was like 75 when he passed away. So even in his 70s, he would get a load of logs and he would go out and he would run the chainsaw every mm-hmm. day to put the wood away for the winter. Mm-hmm. My father saw that as a kid, saw that growing up. So my father was the type of person who would do what needed to be done to get done. He was working on his house for 20 some odd years all by himself to get it done. Mm -hmm. So so me seeing all that, I'm thinking, okay, that's what it takes to be successful is busting your butt, busting your back. Mm -hmm. It's not fun in the moment, Mm -hmm. but then at the end you can look back and say, yeah, this is what we have. This is what I've done to get to this point. Yeah. But I think there's it's still coming back to a different set of resources. You know, our our fathers and our, our mm. grandfathers lived in a generation where money was. I mean, they looked. You guys are talking about people who went through the Great Depression in some capacity. Mm-hmm. You made food last. It oh, wasn't yeah. taken for granted. You didn't have McDonald's where you could just go. I feel like a burger. I'm gonna go get a burger. Um, you didn't have cell phones. You had if you got a TV in the 50s or 60s, you maybe had one, two three channels as you progressed <laughs> maybe you got into the 80s and you got pbs or fox that came in on your antenna um it, it was a different lifestyle it's the the kids today i think and you know i think you guys could probably all agree with this you probably didn't get a whole layout of what instructions needed to be done you got told one thing you maybe you got showed it once mm-hmm. and then there was the anticipation and expectation that you were going to be able to replicate and duplicate it what was done and I notice this even with my own kids. Like, I don't understand. Like, I, I've walked you through this, like, multiple times. How are you not getting it? But I think there's too many things that on the future generation do that. I think in their defense, they have a lot of distractions that we didn't have. Hmm. You know, we were told to go outside and shut the door. You came back in when the lights came on, and hmm. you found things to do with your hands. You found things to work on and build and play with, and you just had those experiences. And the kids' experiences today is largely indoors, sitting on a couch with a video game console. And if it's not a video game console, it's a smartphone. It's Or hanging out with their friends, and it is all about that experience. So to rectify that, like I think short of going and eliminating all of those things from the houses and getting their attention. It's being able to bring them alongside you and have patience while you're showing them. And I can say that knowing that I am not great at doing that with my boys, that it's just easier for me to do it than to walk someone through it 10 times and have them not still be able to do it. And Levi, you, I mean, you're of that, this, the generation that we're kind of talking about. It's your fault, Levi. <laughs> and, and you're working on Joe's. Really, a, a pretty thankless job, you know. And it's an it's a job that's never ending. And you work every other Saturday or every Saturday. Yeah, pretty much every every weekend. And you've been you've been known to work on the other on the farm Sunday mornings um, before coming to church. Like, so there's there's something intrinsic in you, whether there's. Uh, a reward, an intrinsic reward for work, or it was a work ethic that was bred into you. There's something um, that is in you. And I feel like I raised my kids that way. Um, and Charlie is certainly that way. And, and they all have a work ethic, but there's something different about um, some of their spirits of, I want something more out of my job. You know, and maybe I don't understand it because. I'm a pastor, which I I hold as a very high uh, calling, a very high uh, value uh, vocation. We know you think high of yourself, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> you caught me. Um, but there's something in you, like I see that, and, and I see it in Charlie, too. You go to work, you bust your backside all day, you come home. And, and, there's, and you're 
seem okay with that. Yeah, I I was also brought up pretty differently from a lot of the a lot of the guys my age right now. Um, I wonder if it's a personality or some kind of trait, maybe something that's caught rather than taught. Mm. But um, I I also wonder if it's just um, not seeing the need there for this kind of work. Um, Maybe maybe people just don't see, you know, what I do. I know people don't see what I do. So um, not knowing that there's a need there or just not wanting to it's hmm. i'm not sure the the interesting question mike rowe asked too he said we're getting to the point in our society where uh white collar folks are gonna the question to them is how long do you want to wait for a plumber mm-hmm. how long do you want to wait for mm-hmm. your tire to get fixed or for mm-hmm. your furnace to get fixed yeah mm-hmm. that's that now it's going to become personal for people oh no we need to we need yep. more plumbers we need you know mm-hmm. Do you feel like you, and Ryan, you can answer this too. Is there, and maybe you can answer it better, coming from a white collar world now to a blue collar job, do you feel like there's a, uh, one is subordinate to the other, that one is, is raised higher in our society than the other? Well, I mean, blue collar jobs are inherently a very thankless job. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've noticed that in the short time I've been in the trade. They expect you to be there when they call you. And if you're a minute late, well, you're late. Do you want your toilet working again or not? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Okay. Then we're here when we need to be here. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So that in and of itself is definitely the case. But then again, when that toilet's broke, the first person they call, the most important person in their life at that moment is that person that's on their way to fix that toilet or the person on their way to fix that tire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, so mm-hmm. yes and no. Yeah. That's what I would think. But. Hmm. I'm collarblind, so I don't know. Nah. Collarblind. <laughs> I just ring around my collar. <laughs> it's it's interesting dilemma because yeah. we have, um, we there there's has been a um, um, a tendency I think to look down on some of those those jobs, mm-hmm. and yet, uh, Levi, did you have any college debt? No. No. When you don't go to college, you don't. <laughs> it's a funny thing, right? And then you jumped in and you start making decent money. I mean, yeah. that's where Charlie is. He did go to school for a year, but he paid for it ahead of time. Like he had saved to pay the 20 grand to go. And now he's making $43 an hour. Mm-hmm. Cutting trees, doing what he loves to do. I say, ever since I started where I am now, I often think, well, if I would have left high school and started in the trades where would i be today granted mm-hmm. i want to have a, the wife i have and i want to have the daughter i have because i met them at college mm-hmm. but i want to have met both of them but i wouldn't have the college debt sure mm-hmm. but i'd be making more now because i'd be almost 10 years in the trade mm-hmm. but so it's definitely something to think about well and i think it comes like i, I want to make sure that we're it's not a blue collar white collar right, type of right, work correct. because i think you know you can be a white collar person and work really hard mm-hmm. at your job and you, mm-hmm. you've you've earned the things that you've you've earned in the places that you're doing but it's yeah going to school can be a job in itself if you're going and you're treating that as an investment into your career and things like that it was a conversation we had with josh it was whatever you're going to do 
know that it's going to provide. It's not going to be something that I, well, I like science, so I'm just going to get a degree. Like, what are you going to do with that? Um, I think there was a push, and again, I think it comes back to that American dream mindset where I think you had a lot of blue-collar families that pushed their kids into going into school to get a white-collar job so mm. that they could have it better than what they had. Yeah, it. Yeah. And then that continued on, that the mindset is, well, everybody just needs to go to college. Yeah. And you know, at one point here in New York State, you could go to a two-year school and get your nursing degree and make as much as a four-year RN mm. and come out with minimal debt and, and still work a really hard job. Mm-hmm. And now that's changed. In order to even go do that in New York State, you have to have a four-year degree, even though you can do the same thing. Um, you can go two years in another state and be fine. So there's this emphasis on that you, in order to succeed, in order to have those things, you have to go to college. And um, I can see this in my boys right now. Josh is definitely that college student. I want to. I'm going to study. I want to work. He 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 loves that research mindset. Like that's his job. That's what he's been gearing towards to go do. And I think he's going to be great at that when he gets to college. Jonah has had to watch his brother put in the work and the effort, and Jonah has realized that I'm not that guy. I Jonah gets more satisfaction working with his hands and doing those things. And so now Jonah's plan is to go to a trade school for two years, learn how to be a welder and ultimately become an underwater welder. Mm. Like mm. that's so great because if I've got a problem, I can call you. Yeah. <laughs> and take a loan because he'll make big money. Doing right. That. So like wow. he's, Jonah has seen the value in the fact of, okay, that's not what I want to do. I don't need nothing that I want to do requires me to go to school for four years to do it. I'm going to invest in this and, you know, I'm thankful that, you know, Andy Warner has, is, is taken Joan Under's wing a little bit and providing him an opportunity of things that I don't get to provide him on my property and in mm-hmm. town here and being able to get out and work on a farm and work with equipment and work with welding and all those things. And Joan has loved it. That's cool. So I think sometimes the question is, is not necessarily thinking that are your kids needing to go to school to get a job that they don't really want, but are we pouring into our kids and giving them an opportunity to do the things that they feel joy in? Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. no matter how hard they work, it's still the experience of gratification. You know, you, you talked about you you love what you're doing right now and that it's you're you're feeling better in your life walking away from the career that you did, wondering what it would look like if you did that sooner. Mm-hmm. How many parents are pushing your kids into doing things in the expectation that you're gonna go be this when the kid could be just as happy doing this without the student loan debt, mm-hmm. without the expectation that they're gonna climb a ladder. Let me just go get my hands dirty, let me go work on a farm, let me go do this, let me just Find the job that pays my bills, provides for my family, and I'm not looking for more than that. Mm-hmm. And I can pour the rest of my life and time and energy into the things that really truthfully matter. And I think I think as a generation as a whole, like our generation had expectations put on it by the prior generation. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to be careful of pushing those expectations farther down that line. Right. And if you've got a kid who wants to be blue collar versus white collar, great. It's awesome. Yeah. Encourage them to do it. Find a BOCES program. Find something that they can do with their hands if that's what this feeling that gratification about. But I think so many times as men, we're missing what our calling truly is, and that leads to the dissatisfaction and other things. You can go to school. You can be a doctor. But if you hate yeah. people, yeah. don't be a doctor. That's that's really what it, it's not probably a competition between white collar and blue collar. It's about finding something that gives that mm-hmm. you do find joy in. And then it becomes an act of worship, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Like watching Levi, even working on my tractor the few times that you've been over to do the tire or working on your three-wheeler when you had that there, that was 
like you you just had a you had a smile on your face and you're covered in grease and it, mm-hmm. it's an act of worship mm-hmm. whereas you know for uh, i don't you know for brad you know working with an inmate i don't know if that's if that's something you love what part of your job you love but if there's something there that you really it it gives you joy and it mm-hmm. gets you jazzed up then it becomes an act of worship as opposed to an act of drudgery and, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think one of the most important things you mentioned that I don't know if you realize is you said how Jonah has found other people that will take him, take him out of their way and do that. As a dad, you're letting another man come into this kid's life and say, hey, this is what I'm going to teach you. It's such an important thing for, especially a father, to think, well, this is my son. I'm going to raise my son how I see fit. and He's going to do what I say. But they don't realize the other resources that are available to help those kids find their calling and find what they want. I mean, it takes, I mean, I've known Andy for a long time, so it, it's a degree of, of trust. Oh, I mean, there's, sure. there's a, I'm not going to say that that comes without a piece of mourning in myself, knowing that I, I don't have the ability to weld. I've never learned, I'm mechanically, I can change an oil filter. I could probably change a gas line. I can do minimal things on my car to keep it running. I just don't have the skill set behind that. I don't have property, so I don't have equipment, which is something I've always wished that I had. I can run chainsaws, I can do those type of things, but I don't have an opportunity in town to have Jonah do that. Mm-hmm. So as much as that is, it's great that Andy has been willing to do it. Thank you, Andy, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> shout out. Shout out to Andy Warner. Um, it, it, it's been a part on my side where it's like, yeah, he's, he's, it's great that he's given that opportunity, but there's still that part of me, man, I wish I really could have met that need for him. Um, it just isn't. Yeah. Well, there was there. a famous lady that said, "It takes a community to raise, or it takes a village." No, 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 no. I will say I can identify with that because I wanted my boys to be in Boy Scouts when they were younger, because I wanted them to have the influence of some other men in their lives besides me. I knew as much as I wanted them to be clones of me, I wanted them to learn some other things. And they were in for a year and a half or two years, and we realized, wait a minute, this is three moms and a scout leader who are running this thing, and the moms are just screaming at these boys. It was not at all what I wanted, so we, we pulled them. Um, but they got in, involved with some other things, and, it, and it, you're right, it takes, it takes a little bit of, there's a, there is an, uh, a grieving there of like, oh, I wish I could provide everything for my kids that they need. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also a realization that they need to have other, they need to interact with other adults. They need to be able to learn. And Charlie learned to weld from Andy. Um, and I've learned tractor stuff from Andy and Sean Bowman as well. Both of, I didn't know what I was doing, but they both have been teaching me. So, And it kind of reminds me of like there's, a, I think there was a Casting Crown song years ago. And it was about everybody in not going to quote the name of the book, but everybody has a specific role. Your artists, your warriors, your soldiers. You, you need, you know, the, the, the warriors relied on the artists and the poets to give inspiration, and the warriors kept everybody safe, but then everybody kind of had that build together to mm-hmm. go through it. We are all created differently. We all have different skill sets and gifts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can go into a home care agency and within 10 minutes probably tell you a whole lot of things that are wrong with it and how to fix it. I can't do the things that Andy does. Right. Like, that's just... I could, but I probably would cut my arm off with a torch somewhere along the I would pay good money. But that would that kinda also relates back to the white collar, blue collar, right? Without an engineer, 
designing a toilet, then the toilet failing, like, or, or we need to build that that toilet. Maybe, you know, maybe my dad's story working at Kodak. He started on the line just assembling. He was assembling cameras, and somebody offered it and said, "Hey, do you have you ever had any experience doing this?" No, but I'll give it a shot. And his job, he said, I just said yes to everything that was ever offered. Mm-hmm. So now he's a heroin addict. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, every job. And he just kept saying yes. When he was finished, he was a, a manufacturer engineer for um, health imaging. Like, he wow. went from starting on the, on, the, the, on the assembly line, putting together the 110 camera to installing and, and helping to design and manufacture MRI machines all over the world. Like mm. just because he said yes and was willing to learn and, and so I think there is there is a need for both. Somebody has to design them, somebody's got to install them, somebody has to maintain them. And that's where the find where you find joy in those places and so you're all of this talk I'm mean, I'm hearing a Martin Luther King speech in the back of my head and it's the sweet <laughs> see, the sweet the street sweeper speech and it's, his point was is no matter what you're in life you're doing do it to the best of your ability and if you're a street sweeper be the best street sweeper you can be be the best street sweeper so that when people walk by your house they say there lives the best street sweeper mm-hmm. and you and you put your joy and effort into it but it's still I think you know coming back to the original point of However, seven million seven million able-bodied men not willing to take a job and work are original. To go back to a conversation Ryan had a year ago, um, we were created to work. Our first job was to tend the garden. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. what God had put Adam in the garden for. And since sin has come, we have had to work hard. So that is becoming, you know, more of a detriment. People don't want to do that. But you're missing out on what your life could be by putting in that work. And regardless of whether it's white collar, blue collar, do it with joy. And and whatever job is worth doing, do it well, do it right, mm-hmm. and don't do it to expect anything else out of it. You're mm-hmm. you're getting a job. I remember when way back in college, I applied for a, a cook in the kitchen. One of the best moves I had because made because it ultimately led to me meeting my wife. Um, but the the manager asked me, "What are you willing to do?" I don't care. I'll scrub your bathroom with a toothbrush if that's the position that you have open. I want a job. I'm a college student. I need a paycheck. Mm-hmm. I got a car insurance, cell phone. I've got bills. Whatever you need me to do, I am your guy. Yeah. And I think by in part, I'm not sure how many people still say those things. Or yeah. I'm not saying that people don't. I'm not making myself a one-off by any way, shape, or form. But I've done enough interviews with people lately where when I left an agency, getting them to try to get them, most of my time was spent managing people to do the minimum of their expectations, not going above and beyond. Mm -hmm. It was just getting them to do what their minimum job requirement stated for them to do. Mm -hmm. And what a, what an opportunity for Christians with a healthy work ethic, um, in, in, in a, in an economy that, really I think is teetering at times it could Mm -hmm. collapse we could be back in a depression Mm -hmm. if we're raising sons and daughters with a work ethic that are willing to say just give me the job and I'll I'll do it like that you know just you know get me set up and I'll go to work kind of thing um that's a huge opportunity for them to you know to be a witness and also you know 
uh, I don't want to define success as make money, but but to at least survive. To there's there's an opportunity there. I think for folks that are willing to work and our kids that are willing to work. Um, but I think they have to have the encouragement on the backside too. I think it's got to you one and don't don't just constantly meet every one of your kids' needs. Don't you know? I don't think they're. I don't think it's fair that they go and get a brand new iPhone. I'm on. I think my iPhone is an eight. <laughs> I might have the new fourteen when the twenty fifth one comes out. I don't. <laughs> so, but I, you know, there's a whole group of of people out there that the newest thing comes out and their kids have it. You know how many? You know, I love video games, but you couldn't get a PlayStation Five for the first year and a half that it was on the market because everybody was getting it for their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, the kids want for nothing, therefore they expect nothing or they expect everything. And I think as parents, the best thing we can do is encourage them that if you want it, go earn it, go get it. Stop with the participation trophies. Make the kids go out and value the things that they have, that they want, that they're going to get, and, and let them work for it, however that comes. And maybe you, maybe we've got kids that are, like I said, you know, Josh, his job, his expectation that he's had on his life is school is your job. And he did, he did it well. Um, and that's okay. You can pour into your kids that way, but stop with the idea of I've got to give my kids the world because all they're going to do is run up your bill. Yeah. That's so old-fashioned thinking, Chris. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm an old Joe. <laughs> but my friends well, have the new phone. <laughs> I've, I've already established this. I mean, not to throw my kids under the bus, but I remember Jonah and we took them to competition swim when they were younger, and they had a a meet just between the club themselves. It wasn't like another club came and, and competed against them, and he didn't get he didn't get a ribbon because he, he didn't didn't place, I and mean, he mm-hmm. was all upset about it. And his response was, "Well, I want a ribbon." I said, "Okay, swim faster next time." I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not going to go up to the table and get you a ribbon because you want one. And then Bugger, the next meet he had, he went and he got like second place. So mm-hmm. he figured out that if he worked at it, he was going to get what he wanted out of it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's okay. To make your kids work for what they want. You mm-hmm. want that new cell phone? Okay, great. Here, you don't have a job. Here's what you can do around the house. Like, mm-hmm. I'll help you buy it, but what's it? What, what's in it for me? What what, mm-hmm. what are you going to do to work off that? I'm not just giving you twelve hundred dollars to go out and get a new phone. Mm-hmm. Oh jeez. But there's kids that got more kit. There's kids in school now that have more pairs of sneakers than I think I've ever had in my entire life. They wear a different pair of sneakers every day to school, and it's mm-hmm. just like. <laughs> I wear sneakers until I literally, they don't stay on my feet anymore. What's my toe pulled at the end? It's yep. <laughs> if my sneaker is talking to me when I walk, it clearly is time for a new pair of shoes. So I, I think it's okay if any, any guys are you know listening to this and they're trying to figure out what that next step looks like. I, yes, we have to look at ourselves in the mirror, but it's okay to push your kids to work for the things that you feel you have to give them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're not going to like it in the moment. They're no. not. Mm-hmm. No. But looking at it 10 years down the road, they're going to be grateful. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not talking about like, you know, earn daddy's love on three, but like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I will say to bring balance to the force, we don't want to create a whole generation of uh, workaholics either. Because no. We've had, we've had that in the past too, and that was not healthy either. No, not, I, I mean, I've lived that, and I think everybody at this table can say at one point they put some part of their job ahead of other parts of their life and the things that they were being called for. Maybe not leave it because you just haven't, you haven't lived enough yet, man. I'm sorry. 
I'm just a baby Joe. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it wasn't too long ago for me that my job climbing that ladder was important. And it was 10 hour days at the office with two hours of drive time every day. And so I'd see my family eight, eight 30 at night in time to tuck my kids into bed and I'd go do the whole thing the next day. Um, so there is a balance part of it and it's not chasing the titles. It's not chasing the careers, but it's doing what God's calling you to do and do what you can to help with his kingdom, not your own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 We dominate. Brad didn't get, he had scripture pulled up and everything. Well, I, I was thinking about this the whole, you know, I was busy in my mind, but, um, I'm not a good example or maybe I'm an example of what not to do because uh, all of my kids have a better work ethic than I did at their age. And I don't know what to blame it on um, my um, my first job was probably at Darien Lake at the age of 17 or 18. I probably worked at a couple of summer camps part-time before that. so I didn't I didn't do a lot of work, but my wife tells me, Oh, well, when I was 16 years old, I was working on a cabbage farm in Elba, I think. So she was literally working harder than me. Well, we all see where the man of the family lives. <laughs> and she probably had a lot to do with the kids having a, good, a better work ethic than uh, our kids than, than I did at that age because I might have taken it easy on them. Um, but uh, I was thinking about how the American culture affects us, that where we're families, even Christian families, are affected more than by the culture than by the church. Mm. Because in, in my day, work was... Wait, did we just have a in my day saying? <laughs> well... Back in my day. <laughs> Ten miles uphill both ways? I think the, what Ryan read in Thessalonians, I think, points out that uh, the sinful nature, human nature, since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, has been has leaned towards laziness, or getting the most I can for the little least mm-hmm. amount of work as possible. And sometimes people are so good at that, but that you can do that because the Thessalonians, I suppose, the Greek culture back then, I think a lot of people just stood around talking. And so, what do you think? What's the latest idea? The philosophies and that. Where did you get your food from today? They got it from somewhere. So there was a, a wealthy um, aristocracy, maybe, or, or the, a, the caste system where you could actually do that. And so Paul had to tell them, do some work with your hands. <laughs> but we don't have to. Yeah. Um, and I had pulled up one, too. It was, it was uh, from Thessalonians also. And he said... We urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. He kind of seems to pile them together. And people who are idle tend to be disruptive. So hmm. why don't you go out and find something to do with your hands? Uh, so the, the sinful nature, the culture that we're in, I, I had early on hoped that I could retire a millionaire by the time I was 40. I read money magazines about putting aside $25 a week in a, like an IRA or a stock fund. And, and then by the time you're 40, you can be a millionaire, which I didn't do. But that was the goal. Like, oh, great. And, and, and even if it wasn't that early, the goal was to retire as young as you can 
so you can put your feet up, go fishing, get in an RV, <laughs> see the world, get away from work, do as much work as you can to get out of work as uh, soon as you can. Because, and that gives uh, the, the sense that like work is bad. And, and I think that is bad. Yeah. And so, um, but there is the reality that from also from the Garden of Eden, the, the part of the curse is by the sweat of your brow will you work the ground until you return to it. So all, all work, you get sore, you get bruised, you get tired, um, etc. And you got to pull the weeds. I hate weeding. That's a punishment. People are out in their flower gardens pulling. What are you going to do this weekend to relax? Oh, great. Yeah, that uh, I would... That's why they started smoking it. They realized we can make this a little more fun. Smoke the weeds away. So work bad. But human nature is going to be towards laziness and uh, greed. I wanted to get as much as I can for as little effort as I can and retire as early as I can so I can do less work is bad. And that was one of the biggest um, changes that I tried to make in myself Theologically, when I, I grew up, it was that actually work is good. Mm-hmm. And when you do it, you feel good about yourself. Mm-hmm. You want to... Uh, I, I, I was underemployed out of college, immediately out of college for a bit. And I got, I got depressed. And, I'm, and part of it was I'm at home, my wife's working, how, uh, yeah, real manly. And then we, when, we got, when she gets home, she's wondering why... I suppose the dishes aren't done or the, the, the rug's not vacuumed or something. Like, yeah, I can't, I can't, I need a job. <laughs> so, and, uh, and so trying to teach our kids uh, to enjoy what they're doing and to the spiritual gifts, maybe. Um, some people say that the spiritual gifts symbolism in the Bible is just builds the church. I think it overlaps with vocational ministry. That, that if you're good at teaching in public, then you'll probably be a good teacher in, in the church. And um, I remember when, like in the Old Testament, where Moses is is uh, given instructions for the tabernacle. He's got these artists making the 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 drapes, the the gold. Um, on the well, the, the, the I guess that'd be the no. It, it was the gold. There was gold in the mm-hmm. in the Ark of the Covenant. You know, there were there's jewelry, uh, fancy stones, and clothing and stuff. And, and those were men. Uh, so um, to try and find what you're good at. Levi loves working because he loves working, and fortunately gets paid to do it now. <laughs> Caleb's doing something, and and Maddie. Uh, Hannah, we're looking at, uh, she might be getting a preschool job here coming up. But um, I think with the, the new generation wanting meaningful work might actually end up being a good thing. Because it's better than just going out to make widgets to get rich. Mm, yeah. and, and if they can find some kind of work, I mean, fixing tires is meaningful. You got a need. They make food. I mean, the tires don't, but <laughs> farmers, no farmers, no some, food, right? Some pretty high-grade tires right there. And so... <laughs> See uh, a need filling. And in an emergency, and so... Uh, and same with, with Ryan, you know, the blue-collar 
uh, guys, it's so valuable. It's so important. And um, so spiritual gifts, I think, too, is to, to try and find out. And sometimes you just find out what you're good at by finding out what you don't like. So mm. you just got to go out and do stuff. And uh, hopefully uh, this generation will will find out. You know, with the laws of nature, you can't avoid it. You sit home on the, the video games long enough, you're going to get bored. Well, then you get a new video game, I guess, or you go to virtual reality. I mean, there's an addiction. Yeah. I mean, there you've got to constantly increase the stimulation or you're going to get bored of it. Thank God it's by design. You know, we're not supposed to just uh, pretend to do stuff you go out and do real stuff, yep. and um, hopefully they'll find out from experience that you know I'm I'm depressed. Why? Because well I don't do anything. All right, let's go out and do something, <laughs> and uh, maybe maybe it will get bad for a little while. But I had a professor at Houghton who I didn't particularly love. I mean he was okay, but I remember two things that he told us. He said one. Um, Find something you love to do and then figure out how to get paid mm -hmm. to do it. And then he also would tell us, if you're bored, it's your fault. If you're bored, mm. get up and go find something to do. If you're mm. bored, it's not somebody else's fault or the world's fault. It's your mm -hmm. fault. Mm -hmm. And those two things have stuck with me. But I love that, you know, find something you love to do and then figure out a way to get paid to do it. And mm -hmm. you won't ever work a day in your life. So. I think that second thing mm -hmm. you said is a big reason why I chose to leave where I was sure I had a job it paid I had summers off mm -hmm. I was able to stay home for 10 weeks out of the summer mm -hmm. I was bored mm -hmm. I guess I can tired of being in the classroom I look outside I'm like man I just want to be out mm -hmm. there doing something yeah. Yeah. But, so even if you're working a job that you don't you're not happy with and you're bored with that job there's always other jobs to be had that's right. mm -hmm. don't quit that job though before you find I mean, yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> the best time to find a job is when you have one don't get out of your canoe until you get in the other one <laughs> now, now wait a minute that, you know if God's calling you to, to he might be calling you to take a leap of faith and I mean mm -hmm. I can relate to my life where mm -hmm. I got tired of chasing the things that I was chasing and doing and you know God has always been faithful to meet me where I was at and I never had any cursing moments at him at night um with mm -hmm. my work, but mm -hmm. always an opportunity for a door open. And he made it very clear that it was time to leave this place yeah. and go to another open door. And the last agency that I was working with, it was, all right, I'm waiting for you to open that door because I clearly don't want to do this anymore. And I know this is temporary. And I know this is the place that you've landed me to be for me to convince myself and finally come okay with the fact that this is not yeah. what I want to be doing anymore. But you need to open a door for me. And it was, no, you need to jump. And it was not until I had put my notice in and officially jumped that I have the job I have now that I love yeah. even came to be a reality. So I do think sometimes there's those walks in life where you do have to take that leap of faith. Yeah. Now, if you got, you know, don't take that leap of faith and wait for eight months to figure out. And, and, and don't take that to... leap of faith without talking to your wife and your, yeah. and your family because you're now... You're you're grabbing their hands as yep. you're jumping, hundred percent, and, mm -hmm. and that's a difference of the generation too, right? My dad would be in; he would have said, "No, you, you stay there until until something else opens up, but you got to work. Don't don't be jumping off to something else until you mm -hmm. know until you've got something lined up." And that's so maybe that's maybe it's a generational thing. It's a there was a it's a different perspective on responsibility. You know, my dad's quite a bit older now, and. 
He would have said, "You, your responsibilities to your family don't. It's not, your your responsibility isn't to have a job you love. It's to provide right. for your family." And mm. I think there's a there's a good balance in what you're saying. There is, so. and I, I wouldn't have done the jump that I had done had I not been conscientiously and advocating praying on yeah, what yeah. that step was and was fully walking in that step of faith that this was what exactly and Monique was on board my kids were on board and yeah. everybody was in agreement that it was time for me to I mean I the job was making me physically ill yeah and it was time to go and luckily what, what pushed me off the limb more than anything was a certain state requirement needing a certain needle to go into the body. <laughs> that was God's way of saying, hey, okay, you're going to jump now? Because, like, <laughs> I, I, I'm taking away any length of time that you have more to sit here and think about it. So, What a coincidence. <laughs> there is no coincidence with God. Yep. But, you know, I brought this up in the... the the Sunday morning service a couple of weeks ago, I was in a job for 10 years that I would have banged my head on. Like I was, I would have found a way to make it work, to make myself fit and whatever they needed me to be. And it was not healthy physically, spiritually, mentally. And it took away from a lot of other things. And God had given me two years worth of warning signs that I needed to be prepared that this was not where I needed to be. Yeah. And had I not listened, I, or had I listened, the outcome might have been very different. But because I was still going to be stubborn and be, I'm going to do what I'm going to do, and I'm going to, I'll weather the storm. God could basically say, "No, you're not." And I feel bad because it took two of those times in my life, and God finally saying, "Are you going to trust me now?" Before I finally was able to trust Him. Now, like I said, it took a jab hmm. for me to walk off that ledge, but. I think there are times when you're perfectly considering things. Are we aligned with what God wants for us? And if we're not aligned with what God wants for us, I think there's room for prayer to make that alignment. And it might be a completely different career change. It might be stepping away something that you spent money and have loans on to do, and God's putting you someplace else. But we do know God is calling you to work. God is calling you to work. He's very clear on that. Yep. Let's not forget uh, some of our favorite uh, Bible verses about work. If a man, uh, Paul, we can always just throw out Paul. Paul. I think Paul. I think Paul must have said this. I'm a minority at this table, apparently. If a man is not willing to work, neither shall he eat. And he said to the young Timothy. In First uh, Timothy five, if anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially for his members of his household, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Ouch. Well, I mean, by Paul's living testimony, he would go into the cities that he was working and building his churches and gospels. He was working. Yeah. He he didn't have anything just handed to him. He took on whatever jobs needed to be done and got his hands dirty. I know you guys don't like Paul, but I mean, and where where is it uh, a workman a worker is worth his wages? Um, that right, me? that's Paul too. Oh. I think he was talking he about. Was I think he was talking about him being able to charge. He could charge eyes yeah. for at the table. Well, <laughs> when you write half the New Testament, we're going to have to quote you. <laughs> that's a, yeah. Even if you were arrogant and a Pharisee and say, all uh, about the laws. Well, he, uh, he claimed that he took accountability for that. <laughs> it's getting late. We probably shouldn't get into Paul or why Peter and Jesus are better than him. <laughs> Jesus, yes. <laughs> 
aim to be a Paul, but be okay with being a Peter. Oh, no. <laughs> Paul didn't even really get to meet Jesus in the flesh. I want the closest thing I can get to Christ. That was Peter. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like we're off the work topic. Well, you know, technically, one of them had been married then. Remarks. Well, yeah, but it's... <laughs> <laughs> I knew what I did there. <laughs> uh, before Mike uh, puts his foot in his mouth. Uh, <laughs> or someone else's mouth. Uh, anybody have any last second comments? Work oh. is good. Work is good. Yeah, we're, as Fight Club likes to say, it's supposed to hurt. So expect mm. it. Don't look for There is no easy job. But uh, we're having a men's social at Greg's cabin on the 19th. So mark your calendars. I'm not oh, going to say way. here where his address is. Uh, come to church for that. And there are leftover hot dogs. So there's nine pounds of hot dogs that need to be eaten. Lots of water, apparently. And water, yeah. He has a motorboat, so there will be water activities, and and it's not really a cabin so much as it is a mansion on the lake. <laughs> it used to be a cottage, and they rebuilt it. Mm. Mm. Beautiful. There you go. Sorry, I'm gonna miss it. Greg probably would not appreciate me calling it a mansion because he is one of the most humble men I know. But... He is, and he's gonna be preaching this Sunday on. Uh, uh, was it uh, Chronicle First First Chronicles seven fourteen? Not some Old Testament stuff. People who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. And really? Seek my wow. face. Yeah, you're welcome to. Maybe you could put. I don't know. Dress. Uh, Stand in the back. <laughs> I'd say I dress, dress as down. a homeless guy. Dress I've always down, wanted to do but, that. Yeah. We'll put a dress <laughs> on you. No, I've always wanted to sit on the front steps as a like as a homeless guy yeah. Yeah. and see how people react to me as they're coming in and then come into the church and mm-hmm. you were <laughs> awesome. You people gave me money and but there was a pastor I think that did that. I they, say. Yeah, he, he I read like about a whole article that was on that's what he did. Church, yeah, pretty yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure you're going to stick out like a sore thumb sitting on our steps. Yeah, and communion this coming Sunday, yeah. and then the men's check in afterwards on the Lord's prayer. So there you go. See you in church on Sunday. <laughs>